like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. And so I'm thinking about the the scenarios that we've seen so far, and it seems like the interruptions that we're looking at so far are either um, just flat out stop, stopping the play, and then the other one was just joining the play when you weren't invited or welcome necessarily. So the the next one is focused more on kind of a routine part of the day when we're caring for children and working with children. Um, so on this one, uh, it's free play session again in in a gymnasium, and there are toddlers working to build a tower of Legos, sitting next to each other, sharing materials, working together. Um, the teacher comes over and tells one of the child one of the children it's time to change her diaper. The child wanted to continue playing, but the teacher insisted that they had to be changed before they went outside because it would be hard to come back in and change the diaper. Um, so they they took the child, changed the diaper. It only took about three minutes, which is sort of concerning. Um, <laughs> and then when they brought the, ch- the child back, he wasn't crying anymore, or she wasn't crying anymore, seemed to be okay, but she didn't rejoin that play, and she stayed kind of away from the rest of the the children. Um, so this is, I think, probably familiar for most people working with, with children this age. We've got this, we've got these tasks we need to complete. We've got logistics we need to keep in mind, um, but we also want to be respectful and supportive of the play that children are engaged in. We have ratios we need to stay in. Mm-hmm. You know, we lots of logistical considerations. Playtime or, or playgrounds we share in 20 minute blocks with other groups. Right. That make group care, you know, less than an ideal situation as it relates to deep play. Mm -hmm. Correct. Absolutely. So I used this article. I I guess I didn't mention that I found this actually, this article, um, I think a year ago in one of my uh, classes I was taking for my master's and it was a class about play. Um, but most of the coursework was not, was more for play with a purpose and, Hide your learning, hide your academics and play. But then this article was shared as like a additional resource. I was like, no, this article should have been the whole, 
the whole module. Um, but I use it a lot now with um, uh, teachers and I've used it with some of this semester with some of the undergraduate volunteers that I've got in the preschool. And um, uh, their reactions are, are mostly really pretty positive, but the ones they really struggle with are these routine things like this one with the diaper and there's another one that we'll look at in a minute with bathroom time and going to the bathroom before we go outside. Um, so that I think those those conversations are harder. Well, I I, uh, I don't know if they're harder, but because there's a part of your brain, even the most diehard play person still realizes that a kid with a poopy diaper has got to get their butt changed, right? <laughs> so you're making you're making that in the moment call right. as to okay, like. And not to be gross to your listeners, but you know, is it, do we got a blowout? Like, do we got, right. is it creeping up the back of the shirt, creeping up the back of the shirt? Or did I just kind of get a woof and maybe we can kind of give him five minutes? You know what I'm saying? But or is it are, just his time on our chart on the wall? Exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. You know, and, and, and what are the tools in my tool belt based on my experience at this juncture? What do I know about this kid? Is this the kid that I can say, bring to Duplo's with you, you know, <laughs> while I change your diaper? Or is this the kid who needs to finish this tower or it's just going to be a Delicious rest of the day for everybody. And that's where you're calling on your instinct and your trust and your experience to guide you because there isn't a one size fits all formula. And I think, unfortunately, Heather, as you pointed to the wall, is it's 10 o'clock, it's time to change Donnie. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, we got to break up with that. And I know everybody sitting here around the table knows, knows that. Um, but thinking about the intention that is driving, why does it need to be this kid? Why? What, let's come back to that. Why this kid? Why right now? What is the worst possible thing that's going to happen? It just goes back to relationships again and understanding, you know. Surprise! Which, what, yeah, right? Like, surprise. Um, and I know it said about how, um, as like a rebuttal, it was saying, you know, days are busy and uh, there was a teacher out sick, so they had to coordinate changing while monitoring the other children. And I think it is just that what, what step up can you take? What little tiny thing can you change just to be on that track? Like you were saying earlier, Heather, about the guilt and the other one that I forgot. That one, yeah. um, and I just think people are so quick to, to stick with what they know because it's safe. It's, a, it's, it's routine. It's what they're used to. It gets things done. And having that ability to kind of, be for you to be uncomfortable so that they're not being uncomfortable is huge it's a really hard thing to do you have to trust yourself and you have to trust your co-workers well and it, it kind of concerns me that we're using you know somebody was out sick today as a as a reason to somebody's like, always out sick forget uh what we know about best <laughs> practice right oh somebody was out today i don't have to be developmentally appropriate anymore yeah sorry <laughs> no so one of the things that was really powerful for me in the discussion, the author's discussion of, the, of this observation was uh, when he says, he asks, do we prioritize the school routine or the children? Uh, when changing children's diapers without their will, teachers are unintentionally abandoning the children's right to play and their right to be heard. That's the thing that people have a hard time with when I'm discussing this with them. Oh, I can and, see that. And I, you know, obviously um, you don't want to send a child home with poop crust all over because we didn't change them. But I think that there's a, a middle ground. Like, I don't think it's one or the other. Well, um, 
I just lost my train of thought. Well, so I think there are some children that if you said, um, do you oh, feel I, like you need a diaper change now, they would sit in it all day rather than leave their play. And that's not ideal or healthy either. But I feel like there's a spot for us to think about what is this child's right as a human being right now. Um, and also there's, there's an opportunity to help them learn what that feeling means and what we can do about it and sort of read their body a little bit. So I feel like there's more than in this conversation than just, do we follow the schedule or do we let them play in their poop? <laughs> well, because that's where there will be things like how many kids are in the room today and how many eyeballs do I have? And that, that is where you do have to consider you know, where, and where, where, like you said, Richard, it's the group care component is, you know, the only reason this is even a thing is because there's more than, you know, three kids in one room. Right. Right. I also think the, the tricky part of an article like this that lists out six scenarios is, you know, so these are six snapshots out of context. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking back to what Lisa was saying earlier about the sort of 99% and the 1%. And so, you know, you really uh, have to think about your whole 10 months, your whole 12 months with the kids. Um, are you doing this all the time mm -hmm. or are you only doing this as needed? Um, if it's all the time, yeah, that's a problem. Your values aren't, you're not valuing the putting the child as your highest value. But if it's happening on occasion, because, um, you know, for some reason it needed to happen that day, then like Lisa said, the, the, the children um, will roll with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there is an importance to, to um, for young children to have a consistent routine and to know what to expect. But on the other hand, we have to be flexible enough to follow their lead and veer from that routine. Um, and that's, to me, the real art. You know, I, I often say a good early childhood uh, professional um, knows the value of following a consistent routine. And a great early childhood professional knows the value of breaking it. <laughs> right, because at the end of the day, I probably really do need to change your diaper. But there is a very small, subtle, huge difference between I'm needing to change your diaper with the one, two, three, beat, pause, get your attention, give you a second to process that. Mm -hmm. And we're still going to go get it. But the method in which we moved to the diaper changing table is not as hurried or not as rushed, right? So I can sit in that pause or the poop <laughs> <laughs> for, for maybe a one or two, three beat count which is very different than coming up behind, swooping them because yeah. it's 10 o'clock. The kid doesn't even know what's going on. It's like an right. eagle came down and picked me up, you know, because I mean, let's be realistic. Your diaper is going to get changed. Yeah. But the method, the lead up, the, the fork, I dare you say, the foreplay. It's crucial. As it were. were. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. What were the, um, should we change your diaper now when there's not really a choice? Like that kind of thing. So in Lisa, it fits so perfectly. Hold on, Emma, don't forget what you're going to say. It fits so perfectly with the thing we talked about on the episode that just came out yesterday or last week about care and those caring times and how oh, I wrote important that. those parts of the day are too. 
Um, but that's sort of a different conversation than specifically interrupting play because of a diaper change. But it was very much right here in my brain and I, I did link it. In fact, yeah. I thought that maybe you got this article because of your deep dive into <laughs> the caring. No, not yet. Not that one. Okay, Emma, do you remember what you're going to say? Yes. yes. Um, so I was going to say that I try and explain it as having a rhythm to the day. Because I think sometimes when we hear the word routine we think of an adult routine so like nine o'clock ten o'clock this 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 and you can have the rhythm of going to that child and asking them if they want their diaper changed on and reading all those cues that they're giving you that maybe they need it or maybe they don't or oh actually they need like five more minutes but that rhythm of you doing that every single time creates that routine for them without mm -hmm. it being a routine that you have for everybody. It's the routine and rhythm that you give that individual child so they know, oh, she's walking over here and this is probably what's gonna happen next because this is what she's done every other time. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yep, I think words are powerful. <laughs> and just that little switch from routine to rhythm can really impact our own actions as adults because it changes the whole thought process that leads to those actions. Um, the next scenario is really similar. It's kids standing up and being made to try to pee before they go outside, um, <laughs> which uh, in the interest of time, I might just skip to the last scenario unless you guys have something really burning in your brain for that. Okay. Um, I think for me, I think yeah. for me I, I've done that with my husband before. I've said, like, do you need to go to the toilet before we set off on this trip? Because... Okay. In your adult brain, you are just trying to think what can save time. But in reality, it doesn't save any time. Because if he goes and pees, I have to wait for him to pee before we set off. And that's the same amount of time as pulling over to pee <laughs> later on anyway. So it's, like, yes. it's just one of those, it's again, it's one of those teacher things yeah. that teachers do and we yeah. don't know why we do it. And it's not just asking, do you need to pee? These, these, they were saying, try it and making him, yeah. them go go try to pee. And I think that sends a confusing right. idea about their bodies. Right. And that's the key difference. You know, Emma, you asked your husband. And so he had, <laughs> he had the autonomy, right? The choice to say, yeah, I do need to do that or no, I don't. The problem that I see so often in our field is, okay, we're going to go outside. So um, everyone needs to go try to pee. And there is no autonomy. There's no yeah. choice involved. There's no, um, wondering if your body is ready for it or not yeah. it's just this is something you have to do yeah. but just that subtle difference of asking do mm -hmm. you need to go now a lot of kids will say no i don't because they're excited to go out to the playground <laughs> no i don't need to go and then you get out there and of course they do yeah but um after a while you know one of the things that lisa brought up early on and we've said is the importance of relationships and once you have those solid relationships with the children and that trust is there then when you ask that question, um, you may get a different answer than mm -hmm. the, um, no, I'm fine, let's go. Mm -hmm. Very um, true. And, my, yeah, my and so life in March will be different than life in September. Yes, that's such an important point. Um, the passage of time together too as a group and getting to know each other will change how we respond in these yeah. situations because we oh, know yeah. each other better. Because yeah. there's always the one kid you're like, get your butt in there, you know you need to go. <laughs> Oh, and he's like, because oh, he knows that you know that he knows that you know. And it's a delightful interaction, though. It's oh, like a yeah. thing that you share. Yeah, my husband has started to say things like, "My body is telling me I shouldn't eat anymore. My body is telling me I should go play." <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, okay, so the last of the scenarios is a cleanup scenario. So children are moving from uh, one activity to the to another. They're being told to clean up all of their things. One little boy dumps everything and throws some things because he's angry. Um, and uh, and that's 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 what happened. That's the description of the scenario. Um, and then there's some suggestions after that. Yes for better ways to handle it, better strategies. Right, right. Looking at it from not a compliance or not a, well, children need to learn to clean up, but from a, um, it, as an interruption, this, this cleanup that we're asking them to do is interrupting something that was important to them. Um, so what, can, what kinds of considerations can we make in that, through that lens, that would maybe change the way it played out. Right. The it's five hard. minute warning, the one minute <laughs> warning, the shelf for unfinished projects, the um, let's make a sign for your castle mm -hmm. that says, don't anybody kick this over. And again, they don't trust it in September, but by March, you've got, you've got For me, it was changing my perspective about cleaning up in general, like, just realizing it doesn't always have to be done. <laughs> Even if we do have to move to the next thing, we don't necessarily have to put everything back. And um, I think it was Dan Hodgins who said, I think maybe his daughter's a quilter or does some sort of craft. And he talked about how if she had to stop and put everything away, every time she had to take a break from that crafting and then get it all out again, she'd never do it. And yeah. for some well, reason, that, right. For some reason that was what it took to shift my thinking. I appreciate the suggestions at the end yeah. of this one and think you still need to give a little bit of thought to, are you providing enough time? You know, are, do you have too many transitions? Is this transition because you're herding the kid from center time to center to mm -hmm. center to center? So I would take the suggestions with a, with a grain of salt. Yeah. And just thinking, oh, sorry. Um, I liked the bit about where it said um, hampering children's thought processes. I hadn't really thought of it like in that way before, like not just stopping the thing that they're doing, but you're actually stopping the next thought that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And that is something that you can't necessarily get back if you've put everything away. It just stops. Right. Stops that train going. And, and again, there may be times that we don't have the choice and that we have to move on to, to whatever the next thing is, but um, knowing, really just knowing that we have, thinking through our rationale, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Just pausing and saying, why is this important to me right now? That they, and, and sometimes the answer will be convincing and it really needs to you know, be a transition or change. Sometimes the answer will be, well, we just always did it that way. It's a That's habit. We can play through more, yeah. I think I'm supposed to. <laughs> well, and also remembering that, you know, we may have some children uh, with us that are on the spectrum and need organization. Um, and so by building those relationships and getting to know, you know, because I agree with you, Heather, we don't have to clean up every time. Mm -hmm. But if I'm with a particular community and there are of kids and there are some kids who need that process of yeah. cleaning up and organizing, then I have to build those relationships with each of those kids to know which one's that 
and which ones don't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's um, that's a consideration I leave out too often, considering I work with children who need that. Um, so I'm, so thank you for bringing that in too. Sure, it's it's relationships and it's individualizing, and um, which every kid needs, every kid on the needs, spectrum or not, and have yes. an IEP or not, right? And yeah. and that's my current little soapbox is just because you have an IEP doesn't mean you're exempt from DAP, <laughs> and so we need to remember that. Yep. Yep. I have something totally off the wall that I need to say, and I was okay. Am I off? No, not at all. No, no, it was a sidebar. Oh, okay. I, I, I appreciate very much the willingness um, of this writer, this author, to share examples from. I'm totally using a U.S. lens right now. Yeah. That he uh, was sharing scenarios from a country that we perceive as flawless. Right. I think that's an important wake-up call for American listeners because we do put certain states and their programming on pedestals and we, you know, then are searching for this ideal thing and we forget that there's yin and yang and pro and con and struggles everywhere. and successes absolutely everywhere. So it was a subtle thing, yeah. but I, I wanted to get it captured and see if any of y'all had any commentary on that. I, I, other than to agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it, I think it's. I'm glad you pointed that out. Though personally, I had wished Heather had been in trouble. And we would have been that. <laughs> That's next episode. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. I'll be tuning in. Oh my gosh! Not really, okay. Ev listeners. Not really. <laughs> Everybody's hopes are up now. You just offered hope to a pandemic generation. <laughs> Um, last thoughts about it? Any, anything that you highlighted that you wanted to make sure we talked about or you feel like we've covered everything? Um, under the practical strategies there, uh -huh. just to kind of beat the dead horse of, of unavoidable situations certainly will occur that necessitate interrupting children's play. And I think that reinforces the 99%, 1% kind of theme that we tossed out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, no, I, I don't have any more thoughts. I'm just looking at my notes to see if I have anything I need to, yeah. to challenge. Well, the only other anything. thing I was going to add is, um, you know, so this whole article is about uh, why we shouldn't interrupt young children's play. But it doesn't get into and, and doesn't need to get into um, what's the big deal about play to begin with mm -hmm. and why shouldn't it be interrupted, right? Why do we even care? And so just to put it out there for any listeners that that don't know this right and correct me if my numbers are wrong but you know there's play and then there's deep play and uh -huh. we know that it takes young children at least 30 to 45 minutes to be immersed in their own autonomous play to get to a level of thinking that can um uh or level of experience that um is most valuable in all of the, their develop, developmental domains. And so, you know, that's kind of the why we shouldn't be interrupting young children's play, because they need that uninterrupted time to really get to the deep learning and, and growth and development um, that we still wish for them. Yeah, yeah. Not the 10 or 15 minutes that's on a lot of schedules. 
Right. And to that, because Richard, I see that you threw that end, like the ad, I'm going to throw in the other end is where, where is it coming from that you think you should be opening your mouth in the first place, right? <laughs> so, so there's the, the pre and then the middle part and then the what is, why should we not be interrupting it at all? And, and knowing that it takes that amount of time to get to that layer, that right there is your quick, fast and dirty rationale as to why you need to stop mm -hmm. interrupting children. Just right there. If you know nothing else, none of the theory, none of the research that right there should be giving, and I'm shooting on you, so sorry for that, but that, that should be providing pause. Like, why am I about to open my mouth? Where is that intention? Richard, you said motivation earlier. Where, where is that coming from? Right, absolutely. I did have some snarky comments at the end in my own writing. I said, play is important unless I need you over here right now. Children deserve <laughs> respect unless it's time to change your diaper. So, yeah, I but, like snark. That's okay. That's, that's a little, just a little bit. It's, yeah. it's that disconnect. And we've, we've all, and that's why I think we can talk so sometimes assertively and aggressively about it is because we've all been there, right? We, we, we all look Absolutely. back at that, the, the early part of our yeah. career where, before we knew better, as we like to say. And, and that is why I think we can take such a strong, confident tone. Um, but looking at that disconnect mm -hmm. between our actions and our words, I think is, is ongoing food for thought for everybody. Yeah. And I still slip into some of this um, in my practice now, but I have a different reflective lens now than I used to have to, to review it and think it through. And you I will think always go back to what you knew first. Yeah. Yeah. Always. No, it's a good chance, article. Emma. Last chance, Emma. Anything no. else? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This was a great conversation. Um, and I appreciate so much all three of you taking time to do this. I think everyone's going to love it. Thanks for the invitation. Um, yeah. Yay. So thank everybody thank you. for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. That's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.